0: Blog Talk
1: Radio
0: Welcome everyone, it's another episode of The Roman Show for the week of October 9th, 2017 This week we welcome Phil of Wayland He's talking about the band's debut album Rinse and Repeat This plus much more coming up next on The Roman Show Which starts right now
1: Step down to the get down. Alright, whenever you're ready, you're ready.
0: Five seconds to the open.
1: Aquarius, watch that little gimbal. We don't want you coming off in the back. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Vital. Go. go. fly. Guidance. Tensor. Surgeon. Go. Light. Go. go. We're going. GNC. We're going. Down you Go. Control. Go. 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 FAO. We are going. Network. Go. Discovery. Go. Capcom.
2: We are The Roman Show. With your host, Rodolfo Roman.
0: Hey guys, thanks again for tuning in to The Roman Show. If you haven't done so yet, head on over to the House of Horror theme park. It's right here in Miami, Florida taking place right now all the way to November 4th. It is located in Miami at the International Mall. Tickets are on sale. For more details, visit theromanshow.com. I'm your host, Rodolfo Roman, joined by the one and only, the dashing one, George Alonzo, who's celebrating his birthday this week. Darn right. And
2: with that being said, I'm enjoying myself a birthday cake-flavored margarita. How ironic that is. That must taste Disgusting. I've always offered you to take a sip for you can see how it tastes. Like, It's not that
0: bad. It's actually very sweet. No, thanks. I'll skip on that. All right, guys. We're going to talk some pro wrestling, some mixed martial arts. We're going to welcome Phil of Wayland uh, to talk about their debut album, Rinse and Repeat, and check them out on tour right now. By the way, check out that great interview. We have the Butcher Babies on the Roman Show website. That's theromanshow.com or our YouTube channel, youtube.com. For slash all Roman 0201. Subscribe to be the first one to get that notification that the interview has been posted. We're talking pro wrestling coming up next. And now it's time to give you a, time to give you a
1: reality check. Reality check.
0: All right, George. Well, the big announcement is December 9th. Make sure to put it on your calendar at the Jorge Masconoso Youth Center in Sweetwater, Florida. That is right in Miami, Miami-Dade County in Miami. So Sweetwater Wrestling Fan Fest. Well, wrestling returns to Sweetwater, and they're going to give a, a great, great appreciation there to the one and only Mr. Glacier, former WW, WCW superstar, and a whole great list of professional wrestlers. that will be squaring off. There was an announcement made, too, that the, uh, there'll be two matches potentially two matches, at least one, that will be for a world title. And also one of the main events, three main events, one of the main events will be for the number one contender spot. So put it on your calendar, Sweetwater Wrestling Fest, December 9th, 2017 in Sweetwater, Florida. You can get your tickets right now. It's absolutely free, but get your tickets. That's going to secure that you will have an opportunity to have a seat at eventbrite.com. Search for Sweetwater Wrestling Fan Fest. Do not miss this event. You, there's no excuse. It's free. Come on. And it's right to, right, right, in the, the time of the holidays. You can't skip this thing, George.
2: Uh, you hit the nail right in the coffin. And trust me, if free doesn't get you, the matches will. Trust me when I say never has there ever been an entire show where every single match is main event caliber. Let's talk about this. We've mentioned the three, the triple main event matches. Look at this other match, a dream match. Something that most likely will never happen again. And if it does, it won't be for another decade. You're looking at Europe's Alexander James going up against the number one or one of the best Florida superstars in Ernest R. Alexander in his return from injury. Then, of course, you got the Ronin heavyweight champion, Alex Chamberlain, Going against 205 Lives, Mr. Stuntacular, Bryson Scott. Everything is main event caliber. Everything is worth a price of admission. But instead of a price, we're giving it to you for free. So there's no reason not to miss this event.
0: No excuse. December 9th. Make sure to put it in your calendar. All right. Well, Hell in a Cell was this past weekend. And Jinder Mahal, while well, he remains the champion, he defeated Shinsuke Nakamura... There's been a lot of pros and cons about Jinder Mahal. One of them being because of the promo he cut prior to the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. it received some controversy because some of the derogatory or discriminative comments he made. But you know what, George? I'm going to have to say, although the, the, according to the Nielsen ratings report, that SmackDown hasn't had the ratings that it, it had prior. But I think Jinder Mahal is a great heel and, and he's a great champion. He fits the role. I mean, it makes you really want to hate the guy when he comes down... Uh, the aisle now sure would have have liked Nakamura to be champion yes but I see why they're holding him back because they wanted to keep the belt all the way until the WWE visits visits India but uh, I I think Jinder Mahal is doing a great job here's the thing I never understood fans kept on
2: complaining saying they want a new face as a champion they were tired of Randy Orton they were tired of John Cena They were tired of all that stuff. They were tired of the same old stuff. And then they finally give the title to someone new in Jinder Mahal, which I actually have to agree with Triple H. Triple H did go on record by saying there's no one that's worked more harder than Jinder Mahal, that he has a ton of respect for where he came from. So they finally give the title to Jinder Mahal, a new face, and now everyone's complaining again. It's like, how can they satisfy you? This is why... The WWE is kind of like taking less and less, you know, notice in what the fans want be- and just doing what's best for business because no matter what they do, you end up complaining no matter what. And it's sad. Like, I, I listen, I'm so, I, I, I can vouch for this that I used to go on social media and I used to always hear, I want a new face. I want a new face. Oh, John Cena and Randy Orton for the one millionth time. Okay, guess what? They gave you Jinder Mahal. Now what?
0: Now moving forward, George a Hell in a Cell, uh, Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens, great matchup. Now one thing, Shane McMahon, 47 years old, still jumping up Hell in a Cell matches. Uh, this is this is incredible, and and not not to, not to only forget the point here. This is the son's the 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 owner's son, and he is doing this. He is risking his life literally by jumping up that Hell in a Cell, and he's done it on numerous occasions. He did it. Well, last year uh, at WrestleMania, and he's doing it again. Was it last year no? The year before it was. I can't uh, even remember right now. Two years ago. Two years ago uh, and then he does it again. Th- this guy, you got to give him credit where credit is due. And, you know, I just shows you how much passion he has because I don't even think that Vince McMahon, if he would be at his age, you know, if he were to be at 47, would do such a thing.
2: Um, here's the thing. Yes, I'll give credit where credit is due. Now, I have a question and a comment. My question is this. Now that Shane McMahon has uh, jumped, fallen, whatever you want to call it, off the top of the the hell in the cell, does that make him more hardcore than Mick Foley? Because Mick Foley has only been thrown off once.
0: From mm, the, twice Well, Both from the top But the, remember the two when the slam in the middle Of the well, the, hell's it, the I'm sorry But the ring Is
2: lifted a little higher I'm not saying It doesn't It hurts any less Or more But the ring Is lifted a little bit higher Whereas You know You have that uh, Kind of like A couple of inches Or a couple of feet more Compared to a table That's all the way To the ground I'm saying From that time When Mick Foley Was thrown off The top of the cage With Undertaker He was only thrown off That top once Where Shane McMahon has now jumped off twice. So does that make him more hardcore than Mick? I don't want to say. But I'm going to say this. One time, great. You know, we haven't seen it since Mick Foley. Now, it's happened twice. And now I feel like if they go to a third time, it's lost its magic. Because, like, when Mick Foley, when it happened to Mick Foley during his match with Undertaker, it ...made people going nuts. It made people ask, oh my God, is he alive? And then a couple of years later, we see Shane McMahon do it. Maybe some uh, were brand new fans and said, oh my God, I've never seen that before... ...because we've seen it. It, it hasn't happened in so many years between the two. But now you're literally having a two-year apart from each uh, fall. So it's like, this is the third time. And if they do it again, I, I don't feel like they're going to get much of the same magic... So I hope this was the last time. Yes, I'll give credit where credit is due to Shane, but I hope this was the last time because it's going to be played out just like a freaking uh, spot off the top of a ladder. You, you, you can't use that special moment so many times.
0: I agree. I think it's already kind of unexpected, but I will tell you this. And watching that match, it really left you in suspense because you didn't know if that cage... Was going to give. And you were going to see. Either Shane or Kevin. Smash into the ring. So. I'll be honest. I did. I kind of assumed it was going to happen. But. I didn't anticipate it. So I think that the mystery. The, the shock. The surprise. Remains. with they jumping off of cell At one time. I thought actually Kevin Owens. Was going to be the one. That was, that was going to jump off. From the top of the cage. It turned out to be Shane. So. I was still surprised. So it still leaves that wondering oh, is it going to happen or is it not? But I have to tell you that Shane McMahon is a crazy son of a bitch to do that thing twice. And what does this mean for Shane McMahon? You know, aside from him being a, a somewhat, sometimes an active wrestler, but a part of the company, what, what does that show that he's willing to risk it all for the company, George? I mean, this is a big deal. It's not the guy not just trying to make deals in the back. This guy's putting his life on the line.
2: Again, I, I'm giving where credits due. I've never taken away the credit. I'm just saying, please don't do it so many times. Every time a hell in the cell happens, it's the same thing with Shane McMahon. Don't, don't let it happen a every hell in the cell match that Shane has. Maybe this was his last one. Who knows? But I'm saying, like, if there's ever again, don't let it happen again because. Come on, one time, okay, second time, all right, it's starting to become something. Third time, is like, we saw that twice already. So that, that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying, you know, Shane uh, isn't gutsy. I'm not saying Shane is dumb. I'm not saying Shane. Shane is not entertaining. Shane gave us everything that he had defending the McMahon legacy last night, which was the point of his match with Kevin Owens. I'm just saying don't let that become a thing where now every single match.
0: Yeah, I do think, though, that this possibly could be the last Hell in a Cell match for Shane. Well, it, I'm not saying it could be the last Hell in a Cell match, but as far as him doing something crazy to that extreme, I don't think, I think it, it, we saw the last of Air Shane uh, for that matter. All right, moving forward, Shield made its return on Monday Night Raw. Your thoughts? It had been a long time coming until we got to see these three guys get together. And now they'll be taking on The Miz and Cesaro and Sheamus at TLC. It, it's kind of fun. But I think, though, George, that there was kind of a lack there of of, of excitement uh, of seeing this group together. It's not like, wow, you know, TX got back together. Everyone lost their crap. Everyone was going cry- crazy. They couldn't expect it. Uh, when the NWO... Made its debut on wWE you know, after they had been away from t v and then they, they appeared out of nowhere. Everyone lost it, but I, I think they kind of lacked it this time. It, maybe it was just too too anticipated. Maybe people saw it. they kind of missed that that shock and awe in bringing these this band together. don't you think?
2: Maybe it was predictable because of what led to it was the whole teasing of the shield by the Miz... and the Tourage and the bar. But still, it was something that people were asking for for many, many years. As a matter of fact, the S.H.I.E.L.D. is one of those groups that people never wanted to see separated in the first place. A lot of people were heartbroken when it happened. Like uh, They even shared that one clip over and over and over for many, many moons uh, of the S.H.I.E.L.D. breaking up. So I feel like the the love of the S.H.I.E.L.D. reuniting overpowered the predictability of it happening. So I feel like it's, it's good that they're back. I don't think they're going to be reunited permanently. I think it's like a one-time, one-off thing type deal. But I feel like, it, 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 I feel like people are happy because now they have that, buy, uh, that reason to buy a pay-per-view, the reason to buy a ticket, the reason to go to it, the reason to watch it at TLC because the Shield is something that people are excited to watch. So I have to say it's great job by WWE for that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'll agree to that, but it's, I don't know. Something was missing there that, wow, ooh, the shield came back. I, I just, I, for some reason, on a personal level, I think I need a little more on. But I will tell you, though, that's going to leave you something very shocked and wanting more, and that is the debut album of Wayland, Rise and Repeat. You can hear it on your streaming service right now as we speak, so head on over to Spotify title uh itunes any of the streaming services and you can check out rinse and repeat phil of wayland joins us right now on the roman show to talk about the debut album and these guys have toured over 500 times it's ridiculous but he'll explain that plus much more on the roman show as we welcome phil of wayland on the roman show coming up next Welcome back, everyone to the Roman Show, and uh, it's a true pleasure. you got to check out this band Wayland. They're dropping their album this month in September, September 22nd, to be exact. Rinse and repeat, that's the new album. Phil of Wayland Jones is right now on the Roman Show. Phil, thanks so much for taking your time and speaking to us, man.
1: Yeah, of course. Appreciate you having me.
0: So, Wayland, you guys been over 500 tours you guys have done, and this is the first album, your debut album that you're releasing. You've had a couple of EP, an EP that dropped earlier, but and uh, you guys must be pumped.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a big deal for us. We basically took the last five years of our lives. And we toured relentlessly. We did, you know, around 300 dates a year, really just for the purpose of, well, well, two reasons. We wanted to develop our band, and we wanted to build a fan base. You know, five years ago, nobody knew who we were. So we we started releasing singles like Welcome to My Head, Reno, Get a Little, Bloody Sunrise to radio, you know, about once a year. And we worked those singles around the country and worked on building that fan base in an organic way. Um, so that we could truly have something behind us, an, an army of fans behind us that nobody could take away from us. And we've been waiting to, you know, and, and the whole time we were writing songs, rewriting songs, writing better songs, better songs. So we finally felt like we had a collection that was worth putting together. You know, it came it came all together at the same time that we felt like we had a, a fan base to buy it.
0: Mm-hmm. So with the albums, you said it. You would say it roughly it took you about five years to produce everything, and and until and, so you 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 went out there, you branded your band, you put the music together. That's when you guys felt very confident you know, to no, the record the brand? record only took about a year. Um, not even. Uh, we were touring 300 days a year while
1: we were recording, but um, we just worked on it in Memphis over this last year. Uh-huh. Uh, once we, we we met Justin Reimer, I think last March, who produced it, uh-huh. and so we you know we'd record for a week and then we'd go on the road for two weeks yeah. go back into the studio for a week go on the road for three weeks and so yeah it, it took around six to eight months to make the record just because we weren't in the studio full time we were still touring at the same time
0: wow pretty so were you were, were, why you were on the, on the on the bus or or riding to the venue were you guys writing or did you just have set time specifically to dedicate to the writing of the album
1: no i remember we were writing in hotel rooms we were writing on the bus um, we would do Skype sessions with our producer. To, uh, it was any, any way or time that we could possibly think to write. And what the way that came out is that um, the lyrics on this whole, whole album are very personal. And it really is a, um, a a great insight, I guess, to our lives over this last couple of years.
0: And I think you could say it was Through Fire, because I've heard some of the other singles you've dropped Uh, Where they give a little, you know, it's kind of have that country, that kind of hip type of dancing type of music. Do you want to drink a beer and just listen to music? But Through Fires is a a little different.
1: Yeah, I mean, and Give a Little is a great example of something that's
0: really not so personal. You know, we wrote that as kind of an anthem Mm -hmm. for all the,
1: you know, hardworking people. We were really thinking about people like in my hometown in Whalen, Michigan, that, um, you know, all my friends I graduated school with are, our welders, plumbers, farmers, uh, mechanics, uh, just hard, hard hardworking people. Um, and we work just as hard and we know that feeling, of when you're done at the end of the day, wanting to crack open a cold beer and and put your feet up, you know? Um, but yeah, this was definitely this record and and through the fire is a great example. Um, it was written from a different place. You know, there were some, we'd had a lot happen to us as friends, as a band, um, as, as human beings. I think we'd grown up a lot uh, we used some of these songs as a, as a way to, to reach out to people that, um, like, like through the fire is a song that we wrote specifically for a friend of ours that uh, was dealing with depression, mm. and we didn't really know if it was our place to tell somebody how to live their life or, 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 or how to get help, um, but we still had to voice. You know, we had it was just, it was just really intense inside of us, like we had to get those that message out. If that makes any sense
0: and were there any challenges in creating the album putting it together?
1: Oh the the only challenge was uh time and money. You know, we paid for the whole thing ourselves. We were an independent band at that time. Wow. We didn't have we we made it before we were with a label. So so you know, we were shelling out all that money that's why we were touring at the same time we'd go make a couple grand, come back, give it to the producer pretty much, you know, and uh to make make it happen for ourselves. Um, but other than that, no, it it was really great to see this collection of music come together. These songs, uh, we had a lot of great support. Like I said, Justin Reimer was there and moved Um, Zach Myers from Shinedown lives around the corner from the studio. Wow, and he's a good friend of ours, and he really helped out. He uh, <laughs> he would literally offer every guitar he has, every amp he has. I could just go to his house, pick out what I wanted for the day. And go to the studio. I mean, it was so generous of him. He ended up playing on a couple tracks on the record, um, and, and actually co-writing one of the songs. So the, it was cool to, have, to, to feel that kind of support. And uh, Mitch and I would—we were going to Nashville. We were really looking for—we were looking to collaborate with, with other writers. We'd go to Nashville on the weekends, and, um, and we did some writing sessions over there. But I think all of them that made the record came from us, um, co-written with Justin Reimer producer uh, Michael Gurley and Jude Cole out in Los Angeles it's it's still really it's cool it's kind of a all the writers happen to on the record happen to be our best friends
0: so I mean that's really cool that you guys bonded there with the singer of Shinedown and got together and and, and assist you in uh, co-writing some of the music but use yourself tell us a little history about Whelan how did you guys get together you've been together since 2010 and it's uh, 2017, you're, you're dropping your album. So tell us a little history where you guys got together and and, and the motivation of the band, any any band that you guys look up to uh, for inspiration.
1: Yeah, well, the bands that we look up to for inspiration are the ones that don't put themselves in a box. You know, we, we believe in rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, I think a lot of artists, a lot of bands are pressured to... Keep sounding like the first song on their record, you know or that first single, and and we just don't believe in that. You know, we 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 like we love bands like Led Zeppelin who can do a song like they could put Going to California on the same record as Immigrant Song, you know. And I, <laughs> the whole thing about rock and roll is there's not supposed to be any rules, and it's supposed to be about expression. And you know, you feel different from day to day. Some days you feel like a like writing an acoustic song, and as soon as you do you wake up the next day and you feel like writing a big, heavy, loud rock and roll song, you know, and um, to us, that's what the whole thing is about, and uh, we just, we have a lot of respect for bands that hold their ground that way, I think, I think, um, I think Shine is one of those bands, I think Hailstorm is one of those bands, I think uh, Green Day, if you want to look at something, you know, the Foo Fighters are really good at that, mm-hmm. um, so, so that's what we, you know, look up to in, in rock and roll anyway. Uh, As far as our band goes, uh, Mitch and I met each other in L.A., actually. It's funny, we're all from the Midwest, but Mm -hmm. we met in Los Angeles um, when we were 18 years old, moved out there to pursue music, and he and I started writing songs together and playing on the streets to make our rent. We did that for about two years until uh, we got a gig in a bar, and it was time to get louder and and sound like a band, you know? So we got this roommate who was an actor, and uh, we basically talked him into quitting his job. Quitting his acting career, breaking up with his girlfriend, and uh, moving in with us and learning to play bass. And and he did it, and he's still in our band. So, Mm -hmm. his name's Dean (laughs) And So the three of us, um, you you know, we just uh, got a new drummer in January of this year, Nigel Dupree, um, who's you know, definitely a a soul brother to us. He's been a friend of ours for about five years. And it's kind of cool, he came out with us about a year ago and joined the band as a guitar player, and so when it's time to be a, you know, when we needed a drummer, um, I didn't even know he played drums. And he's like, "Guys, I got this. I've always wanted to be a drummer." And sure enough, I mean, he's. We dove in with no band practice. Our very first show, January thirteenth, and uh, it was it was a hot. It was a, it's been a wild ride ever since. we of us couldn't be happier.
0: Wow, that's really awesome. So, how about touring? Five hundred shows and plus. What about it? Are we going to be touring in the fall uh, of 2017? What's expected to promote the new album, Rinse and Repeat?
1: We don't have any any plans to get off the road for the rest of this year, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll be touring all the way till uh, probably mid-December. We I know we need to hit some spots that we haven't been to this year, like the Northeast. We haven't been to the East Coast very much. We haven't been to Florida, or the Southeast in general, so... I think that's probably where where we'll go for the rest of the year. Um, we don't really like to play around the holidays mm-hmm. uh, just because it's like our only time that we chill out and kind of re- revitalize ourselves to hit it hard again next year because that's what we'll be doing. This band, you know, we love to tour. Like we, When I go home, I don't unpack my suitcase
0: because
1: mm-hmm. um, I'm usually only home for a couple days anyway. But uh, mm-hmm. this is our, our lifestyle on and off the stage is rolling down the road in this bus. Like, we absolutely love
0: it. That is awesome, Phil. I want to thank you so much again, man, for joining us here in the program. Rinse and repeat. On in September, check out the debut album of Whaling. You can check it out on your streaming services, such as Spotify, uh, iTunes, and so many others. Phil, anything else you'd like to add?
1: No, man, that's great. I just appreciate you having us, and I uh, hope we get to hang when we get down to Florida.
0: Yes, sir. We'll be ready to rockin' after this storm. Hey, uh, we're
1: thinking about crash. everybody down there during this hurricane. Yes, we thank hope you. hope everybody's safe and is doing the right doing the right thing to keep their family safe.
0: Thank you so much for appreciate that, and uh, we'll be safe right here. And don't worry about it. We'll keep it. We'll keep a cold one for you, when you guys, and we'll drink it up and celebrating.
1: That's all we ask.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, listeners all around the world, welcome to. The Showdown! Alright guys, well there you heard it. Phil, make sure to tune in uh, to your streaming service and listen to Rinse and Repeat and enjoy the great music of Wayland and make sure you follow them on their social media accounts and head on over to theromanshow.com to find out how to, well, whether will be headed next on their tour. Find out right there on theromanshow.com, we put a link and go to their website to find out what city they're visiting next. All right. Well, October 21st marks the return of Premier Fight League. The amateur MMA show takes place in Doral, Florida, 7245 Northwest 25th Street. That's 7245 Northwest 26th Street. PFL returns with a full action fight card, October 21st. Do not miss it. Get your tickets right now before it's too late. And November 17th, Titan FC returns. Gleison de Jesus takes on Jose Shorty Torres. For the 145, for the for the 135 pound title, on the line. That's November 17th at the Pembroke Pines City Center. Make sure for more details you head on over to the romanshow.com. All right. Well, George, Tony Ferguson is now the interim lightweight champion, setting up Conor McGregor versus Ferguson. So Conor McGregor finally, by any means necessary, should defend his title or. Unify the light, the lightweight title of the UFC uh, in a meeting between Ferguson and McGregor. I understand McGregor's enjoying the money he made out of the Floyd Mayweather fight. That's cool. That's great. But let's get this guy inside the octagon. And you know what, George? I'm going to have to tell you that Ferguson is no walk in the park. This guy's a very fun, unorthodox type of fighter. And I think that he can surprise McGregor. And this is a guy that is not going to... Take him to a floor. No. This is a guy that will stand up total toll toe with Conor McGregor. So, what can we anticipate in a fight between Conor McGregor and Tony Ferguson? Well, I think that the fans are in for a treat. If you think that pairing up McGregor versus Diaz sounds a lot better, trust me. Ferguson and McGregor will be a whole lot of fun because I'm going to... I'm going to tell you, George, this could be a coin flip. This literally could be a coin flip. Ferguson has heavy shots. He can take punches. This guy is a wild man. He strikes you and hits you with anything that you do not see coming. And he's a pretty decent wrestler. So as a fan, and of course, uh, as, as, as a person that has been following the sport, this, this is the fight that makes sense. But I'm telling you. This could be a very fun fight between McGregor and Tony Ferguson in unifying the lightweight title in the UFC.
2: Yeah, now here's the thing. What do you do when, like almost every person you have, is having a hard time defeating probably your number one fighter? You play fire with fire. And Ferguson, like you were saying, is one of those guys that's uh, unorthodox, uh, uh, can catch you when you least expect it. And that's the type of person that I feel like that could challenge Connor Conor McGregor because, you know, look what happened to compare it uh, with Mayweather. He, he didn't expect Mayweather to come on that strong with him in, during his boxing fight. Yes, I know it's two different worlds and, and all that stuff, but still Conor was thinking he had it in the bag and, and Mayweather hit him with the right two. And it, it's kind of like, oh my God, where did that come from? So basically, if Ferguson is that type of guy that could surprise you with a very random style, then I feel like that could have, you know Connor. But again, don't, don't count out Connor like he, he's a, you know, that he, like he's' a walk in the park either, because Connor when he's pushed against the wall, he's also a very dangerous man. So look what happened with his fight with Aldo. You know, a lot of people were saying Aldo's gonna win, Aldo's gonna destroy him, Aldo's gonna beat him in the first round, blah blah blah. That pushed Connor to the wall and and it made him dangerous. Hence the 32nd knockout. So it could go either way, but in this case, like you were saying, it could be fire versus fire, and it could be an interesting fight.
0: Uh yes, sir, absolutely. Well, Demetrius Johnson has uh, broken a UFC record in defending. Uh, the title the most is the most title most title defenses that a UFC fighter uh, has accomplished. And he did that by defeating uh, his opponent, Ray Borg, at UFC 216 in a very, very, very surprising uh, fashion. A suplex into an armbar. Someone is going to do this in pro wrestling. I don't know. If I, I'm, I don't know. For some reason, I think I have seen a suplex into an armbar. Maybe from Shayna Baszler or Alberto De Rio. I can't remember. But I think I've seen that somewhere. But for, to, to this happen in, in, in a mixed martial arts fight, it's unheard of. This is just an unusual move. That's kind of like when that guy, not tonight, I think it was like about less than two weeks ago, defeated his opponent using the walls of Jericho, you know, the Boston, Boston Crab. But you don't understand how difficult it is to suplex someone. And right there and then, as he is coming down, you grab his arm and put it into an armbar submission. By far, George, because shameless John Jones has committed so many stupidities, Demetrius Johnson hands down is the goat of mixed martial arts,
2: and he 's proven every single time he goes in there to defend the title so yeah, you were, you hit the nail on the coffin when it comes to John Jones too, by the way, but yes, uh, Demetrius is, has always you know given the audience given the 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 promoters given everyone what they've asked, and that's pure entertainment, pure fun, pure fights, pure everything. And he's never crossed the line of, hey, I'm going to fail you guys, or I'm going to be in trouble, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, that, to risk my next fight. He's actually backed up everything he's had to do in order to give the people what they want. And basically, yeah, I have to agree with you. Demetrius is basically... You know, the GOAT of MMA right now. And uh, I, can't, I can't wait to see what the, the future holds for such a guy.
0: I, I don't know. I may, maybe we see him move up. We've already seen him do that. He wasn't so successful against Dominic Cruz. I don't know what, the, what was next for Demetrius Johnson. The guy um, has pretty much cleaned house in his flyweight division. I don't know who can compete against him. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what it will be next for Demetrius Johnson a guy that I think should be uh, respected a little more. Give him a little more money. This guy is the best in his division. There is no competition. He's do- he has dominated every person that they have put in front of him. And likely so in a very awesome fashion. So give the guy what credit credit is due. Demetrius Johnson by far the GOAT of mixed martial arts and of course of the UFC. You want to end on a final note, George? Weight cutting. Weight cutting is such a big issue in professional uh, mixed martial arts because people just go the distance. They, they, they really uh, sometimes risk their lives. There's been some times where some of the fighters have actually died because of the weight cutting. It really comes down, number one, to common sense. If I can make that weight, if I can make it, fine. But if I'm going to push myself knowing that I cannot cut Ten pounds in one day, and many people do it. Then don't take your body to that extreme. You're only hurting yourself. We saw a recent act, uh, incident uh, at the pancreas show that took place in Japan, where one guy—you literally see him walk on the scale. But this guy looks so fragile. He literally looks like he, like he's on his last day or his last hour. His coaches have to hold him by his arm. As he makes his way and walks and steps on the scale. This is, this is sad. This is disheartening. We might have another loss of life. Because these guys aren't doing what they should be doing. As far as weight cutting. If you can't make the 145. and I mean you weigh 180 pounds. And you're trying to make 145 pounds in 3 days. Come on. Don't be stupid. Don't risk yourself. Coaches. Fighters. Even the promoters. The promoters should step in and say, listen, you're not going to do this to yourself. And, of course, the commission. I know that the commission, you know, they all vary in different places of the world. They have different rules and sets. But come on, let's take care of these fighters. I know they're hungry and they're determined to fight and and they want to live their dreams. But don't put your lives on the line because it's sad but true, but not all the fighters are going to be Conor McGregor's. Not all the fighters are going to be Ronda Rousey's. You might have one or two fights and then, unfortunately, you're going to have to go back and work, say, I don't know, at a grocery store to, to make ends meet, to take care of your children. So, guys, take care of yourself. Don't do anything stupid. If you can't make the weight, then don't do it. But pay attention to your body. Don't risk yourself getting killed. I want to thank everyone for joining us here on The Roman Show. Make sure to follow us on social media. The Roman Show on Twitter. Roman Show Media, both on Facebook and on uh, Instagram and The Roman Show on Twitter, as I mentioned, and YouTube, forward slash, dot com. All Roman and two one, but we are always live on our website, TheRomanShow.com. For George and myself, if you haven't been on, you haven't been heard. Thanks for listening to The Roman Show. Till next week.